This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. You're, 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 you're listening to the podcast for all of the news, notes, and breakdowns for your Ohio State Buckeyes. This is Sons of the Shoe with Nick Wilson and Spencer German. Sons of the Shoe is back. Nick Wilson, Spencer German. It is our midweek edition. And uh, not only today do we have to get in the Michigan panic meter, not only to get fourth and long, we will preview the Rutgers game as I go full Christopher Walken. And we get started with what we promised at the end of yesterday's show or this weekend show. Time is a flat circle. And that is the idea that Marvin Harrison Jr. should be a Heisman frontrunner. And at least right now, Spencer, from the gambling side of things, he is not one of the four favorites to be the Heisman uh, hopeful. As a matter of fact, he's actually quite a long shot at this moment. Yeah, I'm not surprised by that. By the way, I, I think we need to just have it be a running bit on the show that I see how many different rooms I end up uh, recording from because this is now the we've we've done what this is episode four I think that we're doing and I've been in a different room I think every single time so gotta love it I, I actually <laughs> like the idea of just having you record out on um, the the street here in Cleveland to see <laughs> how many potential illegal things like we you know we've been you know in the Halley building here we get a nice view of somebody peeing on the wall occasionally. Um, there are people. I, thought, well, I, to... I was in the room that you're in right now on on Saturday, and I thought that's what was going to happen because it was Saturday night of Halloween weekend in downtown Cleveland. Who knows what I'm, sort of I'm, festivities are going on? I'm surprised and a little disappointed there was no fondling in the background. Like, listen, I, I don't necessarily want to put porn, pornography on the internet. There's already enough of it out there, <laughs> but if it helps us get more people to rate and subscribe and follow the Sons of the Shoe podcast, either on the 92 Through the Fan <laughs> YouTube page or wherever to get their podcasts, I would be very happy if a little bit of pornography took us a long way. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I'm, I'm not asking too much here, Cleveland. It's it's one of those uh, no publicity is bad publicity, right? Like if hey, if there's yep. uh, something something going on in the background, like hey, it only helps our cause. Maybe awful announcing picks it up, and then we're we're good to go. The show I, takes off. I mean, Barrett Sports Media, all the big blogs, <laughs> and it just maybe maybe we get a, a moment with uh, uh, I don't know whoever's on Good Morning America. Maybe we get a Strahan moment, right? <laughs> like I'm, I'm just dreaming big here for the podcast. I can just envision him asking, "What were you thinking?" And I was thinking, I was thinking I could have done it better. That's what I was thinking. <laughs> um, so I mentioned, um, yeah. I mentioned the odds favorites for Marvin Harrison Jr. And remember, in the last 35 years, there have been three wide receivers yeah. to win the Heisman. Uh, Devontae Smith in Alabama in 2020. Desmond Howard was the last guy before that, 1991, in Michigan, and then Tim Brown in Notre Dame in 1987. But Michael Penix is once again the odds-on favorite uh, on FanDuel, plus 270. Then J.J. McCarthy at plus 300. Uh, Jaden Daniels of LSU, again, it's a quarterback award. Um, he's plus 450. Fourth is Bo Nix, plus 550. And then Jordan Travis is plus 750. And he's the fifth best odds. And then Marvin Harrison Jr., who mm. get this, plus 1,400. So today... I, I had uh, $14.92 left in my FanDuel account, and I put it all on Marvin Harrison Jr. So I'm if I win, the show here. 
sure. If I win, I got $200 coming my way. There you go. On the, uh, the Marvin Harrison Jr. long odds. Yeah, I, I might have to throw some money on there as well. The 1400 feels too good to pass up. If Because here's the thing. Like, th- th- these – these odds change so much week to week just based off of generally just based off. I think, I think, let me backtrack for a second. I think this year in particular, because there's certainly years where like, there's a, there's a favorite. They just run away with it. They take off and their team keeps winning. So they're still in the conversation, but this year we've seen so many different teams lose so many different upsets, so many close games, like teams are just begging to lose. Florida state was begging to lose a couple times. Washington's been begging to lose the last couple of weeks. Even Ohio State, to an extent, has been begging to lose a couple times. So I think like this year more so than even most years, it, it feels like this could change still several more times before the end of the season. And for Ohio State's case and for Marvin Harrison's case, it almost does feel like if you get to that Michigan game, it, this could truly come down to like if J.J. McCarthy has a really good game against Ohio State and finishes off an undefeated season for Michigan, then we're talking about him being a Heisman front runner. Or if Marvin Harrison Jr. puts up massive numbers and Ohio State, even if they're – I'm assuming they're not going to be ranked ahead of Michigan, but even if they somehow were, I think most people would still feel this is they're going into that game as an underdog. And I do feel like Marvin Harrison puts up big numbers. Like if he contributes massively to helping you upset Michigan, then yeah, like I, I think that script maybe flips just even in that last week of the regular season. So I'm fascinated to see how it plays out. I, I think all the names you kind of brought up make some sense. I think Penix was probably the – he still is the odds on favor, but he was the, I think the person after Caleb Williams lost a couple weeks ago and he beat Oregon, but you, well, I guess it doesn't matter. Conference champion do conference championships are after no, no, no. Conference championships count towards the Heisman. Correct. Yeah, they do. Yeah. Cause it's the week after it's the army Navy Saturday is that they announce it. So, yeah. um, so yeah, like maybe one of them, maybe Bo Nix or Penix would win it based off of, how those two teams played each other in a Pac-12 championship game. So I don't know. We'll, we'll see. But it's it's interesting how this year it does feel like the field is super, super wide open. And what's crazy about it to me is like, one, I, I'll be honest with you, sometimes the Heisman conversation can be a little tedious. Like yeah. the idea that, that Caleb Williams has had two bad games and that's done for him, it's like, Oh man, like I, I, there, I'll be honest with you. I think the Heisman is as much of a narrative award as it is a factually correct. This is the most, this is the best uh, offensive player, defensive player, best player overall in college football. And so sometimes that's tedious, but like just because it's true for one position group doesn't mean it's another. Like if there was another wide receiver having the year that Marvin Harrison Jr. is having, where it's apparent he's the most important player on his offense by a wide margin, that if there was another Devontae Smith in this year, the wide receiver votes would cancel each other out. And that's not really happening, or that doesn't usually happen on the quarterback market. Like, unless it's like, like, this is actually something that I'm really curious to see how it plays out is you've got five quarterbacks ahead of Marvin Harrison Jr. And right now, I don't know if that helps his case or hurts his case. Because on one hand, I could think, well, maybe uh, the the Pac-12 votes will, can- you know, Bo Nix and Penix, if they're really, really close at the end of the year, maybe some of those votes will cancel out. On the other hand, I'm like, Maybe people just, there's so many quarterbacks, they'll just lock into, well, who's the best quarterback? And then it becomes what I think it becomes most years, which is who's the best quarterback instead yeah. of who's the best player in college football. Yeah, I, 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 I think, yeah, go ahead. No, go ahead. I just, I and you know what? I will save that thought because I, <laughs> I want to explore more the idea of it as a quarterback solely um, entity, but uh, – I, I talked a lot there. You didn't see your no, 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 no. I, I mean, the thing is, um, so I, I kind of crunched the numbers on where he's at in terms of Devontae Smith the year he won. Um, and so for the regular season, plus the a conference championship game, Smith, Devontae Smith finished in 2020 with 98 receptions and just over 1,500 yards. Right now, Marvin Harrison is at 48 receptions and he has 889 yards. So, uh, and then touchdowns, he actually – this is this is kind of wild, is um, because you 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 mentioned Desmond Howard obviously, and mm-hmm. when you go down the list of like receivers who have won, it's it you it's 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 like a it's like going into a time capsule and realizing how things have changed. Because back in 1991, 
Desmond Howard won the Heisman. He had 61 receptions and 950 yards. Like that seems like nothing for some of these top tier receivers. I mean, Marvin Harrison's already almost at 950 yards right now in eight games. Like that's, that's, you know, talk about the league changing or the sport changing. That's certainly a testament to that. But somehow he actually had more touchdowns. He had 19 touchdowns that year than mm-hmm. Smith actually finished with in 2020. Again, at the end of the conference championship season uh, with 17. So, um, and that probably has a lot to do with just like Alabama had a, a, a embarrassment of riches. They were spreading the ball around. So he didn't get quite as many, but at the same time, like it's, it's just interesting how that's, that, that's kind of changed over time. Um, so yeah, like I, I guess numbers wise, like Marvin Harrison essentially needs to get about 600 more yards in the next four games and mm-hmm. to sort of be on par with what Smith did. But I think Nick, like it, it's going to ultimately come down to, again, that that Michigan game, if Ohio state wins that game and he puts up, say he has a touchdown and over hundred yards receiving, like that could be the thing that sets him apart. You, you know, Ryan day, goes into all these post-game press conferences and he's asked a question about Marvin Harrison Jr. And he laughs because he's like, same answer as always, best player on the planet. Like, yeah. And I think he has a point in that. But at the same time, like, we know that they're going to look at the numbers. And if he's going to top a quarterback, because we know how important that we, – we know, to your point, that the quarterback position is always going to get elevated in this conversation. If he's going to top one of these quarterbacks, I, I think he's going to have to be on par with, like, the, the Devontae Smith numbers – and they're going to have to beat Michigan. Like those are the two things that absolutely have to happen if he's going to have a shot. Well, I think what helps him is that McCord is is just a mid quarterback, and I think does that helps tri- him though. Or does that hurt him too? Because if he can't get the number, like there's been some dud games he's had early in the season too. Not that the, the last few have been great, but with the dud games in there, like if he has another dud game down the second part of the season or the last part of the season here, maybe you're talking about like, well, if he had a better quarterback, maybe he would actually have more of an argument. I think it only matters if he has a dud game against Michigan. Um, I think he can have a dud game against Rutgers. I don't think he will. I can think he can have it against Michigan State. He can have it against Minnesota. But at the end of the day, if it, it, it really does come down to, can you get 150 yards and two touchdowns against Michigan? Because if you do that and Ohio State wins, no one's going to look at that and give Kyle McCord credit because we all know who he is. Even Travion Henderson. And like Travion Henderson is... If Travion was healthy, Travion might have stolen some of those votes from Marvin, but because he hasn't been healthy, it's not, that's not going to hurt him. So, like, yeah, really, it really comes down to honestly, I look at the next three games as an opportunity to pad your stats in a way. And so then if you just go out there and have like a normal game where it's like you mentioned, like 100 yards and a touchdown, but everybody goes, well, that's the best player on the field, then all of a sudden you overtake uh, JJ. And if I really just think like, get to the top three, get to the top three, and then you're at least in the mix and then it becomes a conversation. I, I think, listen, I think plus 1,400 is is generous right now. I think the reality is something drastic has to happen either with his performance statistically or or with some of these quarterbacks continuing to have fall back to the earth. Like a couple of weeks ago, Penix had it. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, uh, Bo Nix had it. And like, yeah. they're still ahead of him. Now, that's in gambling odds. That doesn't mean that that's in the voters' minds. But I'll be honest with you. I think we know when Vegas is pointing towards something that that's there's, – there's a reason those guys are the favorites. It is because it's a quarterback award. And I don't – you know, man, I'll be honest with you. I, the fact that it mirrors the NFL MVP to me. And, like, the NFL MVP is meaningless to me because it's, it's just who's the best quarterback. And, and granted, Mahomes is on a different level. And Joe Burrow has been at a different level. And Josh Allen has had moments where he's at a different level. And I get how important the quarterback is to the actual just wins and losses. But, like, there have been times where Derrick Henry was more important than the best quarterback because of how Tennessee plays. And the context of a player's value does not get added into often enough unless that player is a quarterback. And the idea that now that's happened in college where I was it 11 of 13 Heisman since 2010 have been quarterbacks. If you go all the way back an extra decade, I think it's like eight more players were quarterbacks. That's asinine. Like college to me is the one spot where as much as an elite quarterback matters, look at what Marvin Harrison Jr. Like Marvin Harrison Jr. is as important to Ohio State success as in my opinion, like, Caleb Williams is to USC 
or yeah. Michael Penix Jr. is to Washington, but that context traditionally just doesn't carry enough weight because quarterback, quarterback, quarterback. And honestly, the biggest problem is I'm not sure Heisman voters are paying attention over the last 20 years, despite having more things to like watch. They're not paying as attention individually to these guys as they might have been in the 90s when they could watch one game a week and they got one look at another Heisman player yeah, yeah. per year. Yeah, I, 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 I'm I, with you that it, and it's the same thing kind of applies in the NFL where the award has just become strictly quarterbacks. And it's almost like, should you have an award for quarterbacks? Or should you have a, a reward, an award for everybody else? Um, and it's, it is unfortunate. Here's the thing, Nick, like I was, as we were kind of getting ready for this conversation, I went in and kind of looked up just the stats for the, some of the top Heisman quarterback candidates. So I pulled up JJ McCarthy. I pulled up Penix. I had pulled up Caleb Williams just for comparison purposes. I understand he's kind of McCarthy. He's at, yeah, he's got a great completion percent, 78% of his completed passes. But again, like who have they played? And He's only got 1,800 yards passing. Like, he's on pace for, I think, just over, like, 2,600 yards, which if you go back and you look up the history of the Heisman Trophy and quarterbacks who have won it, uh, the passing yards for these guys, uh, the lowest total is, like, 2,500 yards. Ironically enough, that was by Troy Smith in 2006. So, like, that's the lowest total of uh, passing yards that, that that's kind of been a Heisman winner. Um, there's basically five total guys who have won the Heisman with under 3000 yards passing for the regular season. And this, some of these were like pre conference championship game as well. Um, so that obviously matters as matters into this conversation too, but like, he's not even necessarily on pace to hit, um, like a, a lower total, for example, maybe of like Marcus Mariota through for like, well, that's actually kind of higher 3,700 for the, for the regular season is pretty good. Um, uh, but like Tim Tebow in 2007 through for 3,132 yards. Like McCarthy's not even on pace to hit that. And Tebow is arguably like the greatest college football player of all time in some people's eyes. And then Penix, like Penix has more of a case. He's already at 2,900 yards passing, 24 touchdowns, six interceptions. He's got more touchdowns than McCarthy. He's got a few more interceptions, but still like, I think Penix actually makes more sense than McCarthy. And if you're giving it to McCarthy, it's just because this is like the year of Michigan in my eyes, at least at this point, unless he has like some massive, massive games coming up where he puts up like 340 yards passing. Like I'm just, I'm not impressed by him specifically, which is why to your point, like it, it does feel kind of silly that it ultimately just becomes a, a quarterback award. And it does feel like in some cases that these, these voters aren't paying attention if they don't really recognize and give, as the kids are saying these days, give flowers to Marvin Harrison Jr. Because like that guy is making plays that truly are separate, like, like that are truly winning Ohio State games and keeping them undefeated at this point, a year where their offense isn't what it usually is. Like JJ McCarthy is going out against Colorado State and Northwestern and putting up solid numbers, but not like incredible Heisman worthy numbers in my eyes. Like, and, and again, that's why I think for him, it also comes down to Ohio State, same way it comes down to what Marvin Harrison does against Michigan. Like, but it, it, it's just crazy to me that like, it's just become so quarterback centric that we kind of ignore some of the context around it. And we, we, we maybe aren't giving the, the credence to Marvin Harrison Jr. And I say that understanding that this is an Ohio state podcast. And of course we're going to talk about the Ohio state player, but um, yeah, it's, it's just, it, it seems kind of silly to me in a year like this, where I think just across the board, the Heisman candidates aren't putting up the, the, the greatest numbers. And there's some questions to be had about some of these teams. Um, it feels like the perfect year for Marvin Harrison to be in that conversation. The fact that he's only what sixth in the, in the odds right now or seventh is, is kind of weird. To me. I think this is where uh, listen, I think for Marvin to have a real chance to win, because I think there's two separate conversations. I think we're like, what does Marvin have to do to become one of the three finalists, three or four finalists, which I think is different then what does Marvin have to do to be one of the three finalists heading into the Michigan game? And that's where I think you have a chance to win it. You know, like, and I'm not just talking about gambling odds. I'm talking about, like, in the minds, and this is something that we can't really canvas or poll. Like, I think over Rutgers, uh, Michigan, uh, sorry, Rutgers, Minnesota, and Michigan State, I think if you go out there and you just have, it, like, put up obscene stats, I think that's your best case. Because to me, 
Like quarterbacks, you just mentioned a lot of them. Quarterbacks can have bullet riddled resumes and the response will always be, but they're the best quarterback, but they're, Mm -hmm. but they have the best wins, but they have the most yards, right? Like if you're going to unseat a quarterback, you need to go into that Michigan game in striking position of the actual lead. And I don't think you go, if he's still six going to the Michigan game, if that if the, if the gambling odds reflect the the, the mentality of the voters, he ain't going to win it. Maybe yeah. he'll make the podium. They ain't going to win it. Right. So I think the next well, three weeks, I, it's about just stacking yeah. ridiculous stats yeah. or big plays or he's, or or it's obvious that he's the guy that you're winning, absolutely. and then you can be top three, and then it becomes beat Michigan, be the best player in the field, and then you have a real he's, chance. He's got to like, the, like you're you're 100 right. Like these next three, even the three games leading up to Michigan. If he's gonna have a shot, he's got to put up like absurd numbers, and he already is. But just like he, he's got to make up some ground for the the dug games he had early in the season. Because I do think too, like I brought up the yards, but the touchdowns matter here too. And if you look at this list of Heisman winning quarterbacks in recent years, like they were putting up like Sam Bradford and Marcus Mariota put up fifty three touchdowns each in the in their years respectively that they won the Heisman. Lamar Jackson and Joe Burrow each had 51. Kyler Murray had 51. Tim Tebow had 51 in 2007. I mentioned his numbers maybe something that JJ McCarthy could reach like I don't know. But it's it's just like you got to score and right now even if you're comparing him to Devontae Smith, which is the only modern era mod, t- turn of the 20th century answer, 21st mm-hmm. century answer that or or example that we have of a wide receiver winning it like he had 17 touchdowns going into the playoff um just for to to bolster his case to win the Heisman and Marvin Harrison's at eight right now like he's got to get up there if he's going to have a shot and yeah like if you beat Michigan you you add in yeah you got another game there in the conference championship to add to that but he's got to keep doing what he's doing and I I think these next three games are going to be key to at least setting the stage for him to be in the conversation for top three going into the Michigan game and then if he wins it all bets are off and maybe he's got a legitimate shot to actually win it so, guys, uh, get at us, at Nick Wilson says, at Spencito on Twitter. The question is, what does Marvin Harrison Jr. have to do? What has to happen, rather, both with him and the rest of the field for him to get one of the top three finalist spots in the Heisman race? Don't forget, you can follow the Sons of the Shoe podcast everywhere you get your podcast. Please be kind. We're a new podcast. Please, sir, will you follow, rate, and subscribe? (laughs) And when we come back, we will start to preview the Rutgers game and start to wrap our head around what we expect from this weekend. And there might be a pertinent question that the Buckeyes have to ask themselves about Kyle McCord. That's next right here. But first, a word from our sponsors. Welcome back, guys. Nick Wilson, Spencer German, Sons of the Shoe, and whatnot. We must preview the Rutgers game. It is this weekend. And, you know, it's funny. Ohio State is an 18-and-a-half-point favorite. And I think this is another one of those games where I, I expect, ultimately, Ohio State to win the game. But sort of like Rutgers did with Michigan way earlier in the season, they've got some potent weapons so it wouldn't it wouldn't surprise me if Ohio State didn't fully cover, you know, if it was a 16 point win or a or a two touchdown win instead of an 18 and a half point win, because like this is kind of the quintessential Rutgers program under Greg Schiano to me, which is they're just a good Big Ten program. They're not great, right? They're not a complete offense. They're really just run the crap out of the ball and and. They they do make mistakes. They make probably too many mistakes for that kind of philosophy. But like, they got a really good defense against pressure. It's a re- like honestly, I it felt like Wisconsin was supposed to be the last real test before Michigan. I think Rutgers has the thing that if you turn the ball over, if we have a Honda McCord uh, blowing another tire, this could be a much more competitive yeah. game than I think we're expecting. Yeah, I mean, especially because they like to run the football, like you mentioned, you know, this could be the type of thing where if you let them stick around and they start to kind of believe like, oh, we can we can maybe win this thing. Like you don't want them to just kind of be able to milk the clock and run it on you and, you know, give you less possessions. Because I think that's been the one thing for Ohio State is they have continually – the defense has been so good 
that even though the offense sput- sputters or they get they you know common court throws a touchdown in the end zone, they know they're going to get more shots at it because the defense is going to keep getting stops. And again, you got that that time of possession is obviously key in a game like this. But sort of like Ohio State, who tries to sort of deploy a, a number of different running backs when they're all healthy, at least. Rutgers is doing the same sort of thing with uh, Kyle Monagai, I believe I said that right, right? Am I correct Manungai. on that? guy. Manungai. Yeah. These names, man. Uh, but Gavin <laughs> Wimsat, obviously, and then Deshaun Benjamin are the two, are the three that kind of get the heavier of the workloads, and they've all scored touchdowns this year. Um, Manungai and Wimsat both have, I botched it again, uh, seven touchdowns apiece. So you know they're going to, you know, try to utilize both those guys. And um, I, I, and I do have to give as much as I was slandering Rutgers the other night, I do have to give Greg Schiano oh, some credit. Oh, we walking back. We walking back. <laughs> you, you get up close to Greg Schiano. All of a sudden we're a little less brave talking yeah, shit. Yeah. Well, no, it's, it's, I like, listen, I, Greg Schiano has obviously turned that program. Like that used to be a game on your schedule, especially for Ohio state that you just knew, okay. You know, cakewalk. It, it it was Bama playing Tennessee Chattanooga in like week eleven of the season. Like you just knew it was going to be a win. You didn't really care much about it. You kind of looked at the games around it, not the game itself. Um, but yeah, I mean, like this is a team that you you Greg Schiano has them playing competitive football. He's, he has them playing physical football because they do like to run it. And I do think with the way Ohio State is built this year, where they're not blowing teams out. It's not just that cakewalk, you know, look past it game like it's been in the past. And so, yeah, I, 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 I'm, I'm hopeful. At this point in the season, I don't think Ryan Day's team, Ryan Day prepares his team to not, not that he ever tries to as a head coach. No coach is going to be like, oh, yeah, we didn't care about that game. But I, I think, like, he has them kind of conditioned at this point to understand, you know, we are who we are, and we're probably not this team that's going to blow everybody out. So, it's the whole line of we're tough, we're mentally tough, all these different things. Like I think they've kind of been conditioned through just how the season has gone to um, understand that that's not who they are right now. And so they are going to have to sort of not, they they can't go into any game just thinking it's going to be a cakewalk and they can take anybody lightly because every single one of these feels like it's going to be a fight for them. Well, and ironically, this is another great matchup to prove your toughness, you know, like, um, Rutgers understands that Ohio state has pretty much outlasted everybody, but I think it, no matter what Ryan day wants to say that, you know, they haven't necessarily outslugged people as much as they've just out talented and outlasted people. Ohio state yeah. have. And I think if you're Rutgers, you know, you've got, you've got an interesting recipe and it's funny because again, I, I think Ohio state's going to win and I think it's going to be relatively comfortable. But I think what's interesting to me about you mentioned Manungai, who I think is like he is one of the more underrated running backs in the Big Ten. I just think he's that right mix of physical and explosive. And then you compare it, or you pair it with Wimsat, who I think is again a really underrated player. And I'll be really curious. I think they're both juniors. I'll be really curious to see if they can have both guys back because I think they could be if they're a eight, maybe nine win team this year. I think they could actually be one of the better teams Greg Schiano has ever had if they get those two guys back specifically. Because when they are together and when they're both firing on the ground game together and all of a sudden you're getting a defense on their heels and Wimsat can actually step back and make a couple throws. He's not the most consistent passer, but man, let me tell you, he made a couple throws against Michigan early in that game and actually... Not come to think of it, I believe late in the game as well, or like in the uh, the second half, that I didn't know the kid could make. So I I'm 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 really intrigued by the Rutgers weapons yeah. that they have, simply because I think they can punch you in the mouth and keep punching you in the mouth. And yeah. Michigan, Michigan, I think is is a better equipped team to out punch Rutgers than you are. Right, like you're just gonna have to do what you've done with everybody, which is no, we're just more talented, and we're gonna have to give way to Travion Henderson and Marvin Harrison Jr. and hope the Honda Honda Accord doesn't make a lot of mistakes. On the other side, they're just gonna keep going, and I think you've got a good enough defense to stop them. But it's one of those things where it's just the physicality from Rutgers. I think is gonna give you a nice little test, and I, I, and I actually it's why I like this game. 
Do you think um, has Ohio State played a quarterback this at this point in the season? You think that is this that's this dangerous in terms of being like a dual threat? Because Wimsat, I mentioned it, like he has seven touchdowns. He's second on the team in rushing. Like they can do some nice things with him, and that certainly is their bread and butter is the run game. Um, is is this maybe the most dual threat weapon that they have faced in the season? Because I'm trying to like go back and recollect like Talia Tungavailoa was maybe in that conversation, but he didn't put up a lot of rushing numbers that day. Um, I, I, you know, I'm not necessarily. Yeah, man, I think it's got to be either Tonga Vailoa or Wimsat. He's the only one, right? Like, that's the only other one I can think of. And and Talia is probably a better overall passer, but I, I I think this dude. I mean, like Sam Hartman's not a running quarterback. He wasn't running that night. Yeah. Like he's, Um, he can, he's mobile, but he's not a running quarterback. If, if, If that distinction makes sense. But like, I think Talia is the better passer. But I think Wimsat, when yeah. he really gets going on the ground, especially with Manungai, I just think it's tough. And I, and here's the other thing. There's one other reason why I think – and I'm qualifying this is I think it could be an interesting game, if not a fun game to watch. And and a lot of it comes down to stylistically. And But here's the thing. Honda Accord <sighs> – I'll get it right eventually. Honda McCord <laughs> is coming off easily his worst game as a starter. And what made – Wisconsin so tough is they got pressure from a lot of different areas. Well, you look at at Rutgers, they're able, I think they've got 11 guys with a half sack or more, including two defensive linemen, two edge rushers that have three sacks. And I think that to me is like, if they can pressure um, the, the old Honda there, I think it could, again, at least make it closer for, for long enough Before you pull away in the second half. Yeah, no, I I think you're 100 right. Um, and I, you know, I I think for Ohio State too, this is uh, we talk about tests kind of along the way. And again, being that Rutgers is a physical team, I think that's a good test. I also think as you talk about Wimsat being a running quarterback, I think that's a good test for maybe a JJ McCarthy because JJ McCarthy he hasn't had to do a ton with his legs to this point in the season but mm-hmm. he can run if he needs to. Um, so I, I'm, I'm trying to go into a lot of these games with a, a couple different perspectives. I think, A, can – we had the conversation the other night about, like, do you have more faith in Kyle McCord taking that next step or, you know, progressing from here on to, mm-hmm. to get to a point where you feel like, okay, he can be a better quarterback and he has a chance to beat Michigan or the run game. And, like, those are the th- kind of things I'm looking at. Like, this is a game from McCord where – if he can start to finally hit a stride, maybe we're talking about a, a guy who looks a little bit different in time for the Michigan game um, or is more in sync in time for the Michigan game. If not, I, I want to see what the Ohio State run game does in this one. Rutgers has given up, I think, around like 130 rushing yards per game, which is like, I don't know, around 40th or something in college football, I believe. Um, so, like, it, it's, a, it's an opportunity if, as Ohio State averages uh, a good amount running the football. Like, it's a chance for you to – Maybe find some 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 more rhythm there with Trevion Henderson back healthy out there for you. So I'm I'm trying to just kind of use these these next three games leading up to Michigan and taking away little things that hopefully give us some. I'm trying to find a way, Nick, to talk mm-hmm. myself into how Ohio State beats Michigan, and I think these next three games are going to help tell that story, including against, like we said, a, a physical Rutgers team that likes to run the ball. And that hopefully uh, Kyle McCord can put up some decent numbers against. I don't know why. Well, okay, I know why. Um, and it's a lot of trepidation about the quarterback position and, and the offense not being how we're used to. I don't know how through eight games we're not looking at this and saying, in our minds, I don't know about in reality, but in our minds, the gap between Michigan and Ohio State isn't what we thought it is. And all due respect, you think, it, to Michigan, you think, it's, you think it's smaller. Yes. I think especially Mm. when you factor in the actual like rivalry component, like I have no reason to believe with how hard Ohio State has played and how 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 they've been able to outlast other teams. I I I really think this could be a, a like an all time game. And a lot of it is there's just a lot at stake. And so I think there's going to be a lot of natural emotion because of the the nonsense off the field for Michigan. I think there's a lot of emotion because Ohio state has lost the last two games. It's in Ann Arbor. Like I think both teams are going to be in the top four. 
you know, in the, in the college football playoffs going into this one. So like, uh, and it's funny, like, I don't necessarily think a loss for either team kicks them out of the playoffs, but like, I just continue to come back to Ohio state has continu- continuously done the same thing. Michigan has, they haven't done it as sexily, but they have continuously passed the tests. And this is another test. And I got to, I got to be honest with you. I think, you know, Mayan Williams is questionable with an undisclosed injury or illness this would be a really important game to have Mayan Williams in because yeah. of his because of his physical yeah. running style. And I actually, the bigger thing, I think, you know, Trainum is nice. He hasn't been consistent. Mayan, in fairness, has not been incredibly consistent this year either. But I think it's really important that those guys give you quality reps over the next three weeks so that you just keep Travion the right balanced, uh, the right balance of he's running and you can fall back on that explosiveness and you're not wearing him down by like, what was it? 25 carries against Wisconsin. Yeah. I I don't care that, that Travion hasn't played the last couple of weeks. I don't want to see that have to be repeated for you to have a chance to pull away and win over the next three weeks heading into Michigan. Yeah, no, I, I think that's, that's well said. If you, and, and, and frankly, again, as we're using these next couple games as a barometer for them and trying to figure out what their identity is, especially offensively, the run game got going against Wisconsin. You want to see that continue. Ohio State, I think, is like 80th, 80th in rushing yards per game. It's something that it's kind of been a work in progress, and a lot of that has to do with guys just being in and out of the lineup. So getting those guys back healthy over these next couple of weeks is also key. But that's why I think this game is kind of uh, – you call it a test, and I think in some ways it's a test to just kind of show what what they're going to do well as the season kind of rounds out here and you get into more, you know, the, the competitions that really matter, the conference championship games, the Michigan game, eventually maybe a college ball playoff appearance. So yeah, I, I have all those guys there to get that run game going. It's that next step in that process because we saw it work against Wisconsin. We saw Trevion Henderson, a healthy Trevion Henderson and what he can do. Uh, I need to see more of that. And on the flip side, like if, if Kyle McCord can maybe get going this game, that'd be nice. But um, yeah, I, I think this is going to be a very physical game all around. And you got to hope Ohio State's – that's maybe the one concern I have is, like, with how good Rutgers is at running the football, they're not a very good passing team. Like, I'm the, the secondary, they can't take the day off, but I, I'm not as worried about getting beat, like, over the top in this game from Ohio mm-hmm. State. But I do think, like, we're going to learn a lot about their run defense in this game and, like, how they're going to protect against some of those things and what they're able to do. And that was obviously a problem last year. They kept getting gouged and gouged and gouged um, in certain games. So – I think they've been tested a little bit in that area this year, but we'll see how it sort of shakes out. They are one of the better teams in terms of stopping the run, but this Rutgers team with that being their primary focus, I, I think you're right in that it's a, te- it's another test along the way for this defensive group. That's kind of carried the team to this point. Anyway, it'll also be interesting to see if a uh, Mecca Buka can come back in this game, yeah. because if you told me he'd be up for this game and you've got Abuka Henderson, and and uh, I almost I started wanting to call him uh, Maserati Marv and Marvin Harrison Jr. <laughs> I think you have a, I like I at some point there you're just too talented we, for Rutgers to play. Do we like Maserati Marv? By the way, I know that was like Gus Johnson started. Some people are like indifferent about it. I kind of like marvelous Marv better. Um, I'm I'm ambivalent. I, 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 like, I just well, okay. <laughs> no, my no thing opinion. is like people are right that Maserati's the worst thing you would be. Like, because uh, <laughs> Maseratis are a temperamental car. Like, Mercedes Marv might be, uh, the, but even then, like, Aston Martin Marv would probably be the best you could be. Or, like, Bugatti Marv is probably the best. But then again, we lose the power of you alliteration. You lose the alliteration, yeah. Which is all that matters. So, um, at this point, I think people just got annoyed that Gus kept saying it, which is funny because, like, that's Gus. Like, Gus yeah. is the king of – repeating the, the bit and almost <laughs> driving the bit into the ground. And I say that with the utmost respect, because it's why you love Marv, or why you love Gus. And I got Marv in my head here. Now, real quick, <laughs> you had something you wanted to share your Halloween laden list here for college yes. football. Yes, it is Halloween. So I thought this was fitting. Uh, I have your top five uh, college football themed Halloween costumes. So ready for it. My my honorable mention actually is the the Ohio State related one. I, if you just wanted to go as Ryan Day and you can just walk around screaming stuff about Lou Holtz the entire night, I like what, that. Who who knows what Lou Holtz is right now? Like just stuff like that. I think that'd be funny. So that's honorable well, and, mention. But then you ha- you can show no emotion the rest of the time, and your voice has to crack when you yell too. Yeah, that, that's mm. key. 
That's key. Out of the lion I, I, I can pull that one off then. I, Shots fired. <laughs> At myself. <laughs> um, all right, number five. I think this is just a classic you can always go to. Also kind of Ohio State related. But uh, Urban Meyer at the bar. Oh, yeah. Now, do you get That's the blow-up doll? Yeah, you got to have some, This could be a couple's costume. This could be a couple's costume. You can either have the blow-up doll or you could have your wife no. be the, the, you know, the, 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 the lovely lady in front. But the, the Urban Meyer is a go-to, I think. It's, it's, it's uh, endlessly funny. What I um, like about the Urban Meyer real quick is because you can do the different versions of Urban Meyer – the the like youthful Urban Meyer who still had life in his you eyes. You can do the sitting on the golf cart eating pizza, Urban Meyer. Yeah, you can you can do the <laughs> like crouched on the sidelines because it's a headache came back, Urban Meyer, and <laughs> then you can do Irby two digits as I like to call them with the old with a beautiful young lady. <laughs> Irby two digits. Yeah. That's good. That's good. I like that. Uh, number four on this list is the sad Pac twelve fan. So basically, yeah. you just get a collection of. Stanford, Cal, Oregon State, and Washington State gear, and you put it on, and you just walk around very sad the entire night because those are the only teams that'll be left in the Pac-12 after this after this season. I like that too. Or you could just you could literally just do Oregon State, Washington State, like almost split persona, and then be like, "I'm the Pac-2," right? <laughs> right. I like that. Yes, I like that too. Uh, number three on the list is. This one has this one kind of takes like a, it's a bit. You have to like really lean into it here. But the Brian Ferentz. So the goal with this is, and this would be like a good kid. This actually would be a good kid's costume because what you do is you basically have a checklist. Like you hang something over your neck that's like a checklist. So you walk around with a sheet of paper, like a clipboard, like you're you're an offensive coordinator, and you mark. You you have like a you have little boxes, ten boxes, and you just check ten houses. You only go to ten houses, and when you get to the tenth house, you say, "All right, I think that's enough." And then you walk around the rest of the night just slapping candy out of kids' hands because that's what Iowa does. They just score 10 points, and then they just play defense the entire rest of the time. So that's that's the Brian Ferentz costume. You, you're just that... in all Iowa gear, walk around with the clipboard, check off the house that you go to only 10, and you just play defense the rest of the night. Does that come with a unemployed sign that hangs around <laughs> your neck? That, that's actually good, too. You could just make yeah. the unemployed sign, and it would yep. still have the same effect. That's right, because he's going to resign at the end of the season. All right. Number two, this Resign. one, this one probably, I, I don't, I don't, I wasn't partaking in a lot of uh, Halloween festivities this weekend, but I'm guessing this is probably a go-to for people. The Deion Sanders, pretty easy. You just get yourself a Colorado hat, you get the sunglasses, you get the chain, a hoodie, and you walk around and you say you're Deion Sanders, pretty simple. And, and so you got to say bull junk a lot. Got to say bull <laughs> junk a lot. And uh, what's, what's his other line? Uh, you know where to find me or whatever yeah. the hell. And he I says. took that personal. Yeah, that, like, that, that's what you got to say. That's you you gave do. you gave me a, a Nestle's Crunch bar, and I took that personally. <laughs> Who eats Nestle Crunch anymore? I took that personal. Dude, I'm uh, a fat ass. I'll eat any of it, but uh, I won't like it as much. All right, and number one, this one, a very fitting costume, very timely costume for this point in the college football season, but the Michigan sign stealer. You basically throw on your uh, robber, your robber attire, like you're a, a convict in, in jail. With, I guess you could do the orange jumpsuit if you want, but I think the black and the white stripes looks better. You throw a Michigan hat on. You walk around with a bag on your back that has big sign or, or big or plays drawn on them with X's and O's, and you're stealing the signs. Boom! There you go. If you're looking for a last minute costume, I hope we got you. Binoculars, anybody? Yeah, that too. Or you, you could have your cell phone out, and you could just be like randomly recording stuff. Yep. Uh, so uh, I can't believe you didn't have Lou Holtz. I, Cause I gotta say, <laughs> maybe it's cause I've seen Lou Holtz in person and I saw him, I think it was 2017 on radio row. And he's just, it's, I couldn't pull it off because I'm a large human being. And I, I like, I just can't make myself that small, <laughs> but like for a really attractive woman who wanted like a, like a non sexy Halloween costume. Or you could be sexy Lou Holtz if you really you wanted to. There, no, that's not a thing. Don't do that. Don't don't confuse young Nick, men like that. You don't understand how Halloween works. Everything uh, is sexy on Halloween. There's, okay. there's sexy Nick Wilson. There's everything. Okay, but here's the thing. We don't need to invent another subcategory on Pornhub with sexy Lou Holtz. All right? Like young men are young men are gonna start being attracted to really strong speech impediments and the smell of you know, crown royal peach. Like <laughs> Like good God! Now, you mean, wait, wait, really? It would be sexy Lou Holtz. It'd be sexy. I mean, Lou Holtz. 
Now, with all this being said, all this being said, the only way you're really Lou Holtz, sexy or not, you got to have the Crown Royal bag with you while you shuffle and walk around. (laughs) Because I saw that this is this at the time. I mean, he was like 80, 84 at the time. And he was being ushered around. He had the greatest smile on his face. The Crown Royal probably had something to do with that. And then he was just shuffling from one one spot of Radio Row to another. And then, he, it, but he just carried the bag the whole time, like a child <laughs> or like an urn. And it was one of the I like honestly, it was like one of those things where I'm like, that man is in his element. This is what he was born to do, like spiel things on the internet. <laughs> and feel things on the radio and drink crown and god bless lou holtz other than when he pisses ryan Day it's off. a great uh it's a great life i guess for that point in, in time for when you're a retired man just jumping on the pat mcafee show talking about the team uh, ohio state's not tough enough and drinking your crown royale and Go then the it, irony man. is you took it personally when ryan day took it personally so you kind of <laughs> look not tough Lou Holtz. And he I'm, took a lot way, of things. When he was on ESPN, he took a lot of things personally. It by was, the way, to be 86, you kind of got to be tough. Like, no pussies last to 86. Okay, that's all I'm going to say. <laughs> but but then he acted very sensitively. Now, we do have one segment to go uh, on today's Sons of the Shoe podcast. Always remember, we are going to have the special college football uh, selection rankings uh, right. The post uh, coming up and, as well. And Nick, it's going to be live. We're going to do these shows live on the 92 Through the Fan YouTube channel. We will still post the podcast audio, but it's worth noting that you can find us live after the college ball rankings come out with uh, a live version of the, the reaction show on the 92 Through the Fan YouTube page. So, be sure so to with that, that in mind, we will be right back. But first, a message from our sponsors. All right, guys, Nick Wilson, Spencer Sherman, back for the final segment. We begin, as we always do, with the Michigan Panic Meter, which at some point we will get a graphic for, as of right now, the five <laughs> levels of uh, panic for Michigan are gray, light gray, white, light scarlet, and scarlet. Uh, after the Wisconsin win, but but more just the, the Honda McCord awful performance, I moved back to to light scarlet and that is where i will stay today i do not have an update there's no reason to panic more uh yeah i'll keep it quick too i'm i'm staying where i'm at just in the the light scarlet i think i've pretty much been I've, i basically built an entire community there i'm just hanging out you know starting a family all of it in the in the light scarlet category so um i i i don't know maybe uh maybe jim harbaugh saying in his press conference this week that he's got a one-track mind which he's looking to, he's looking to that Ohio State game knowing what he's got to do. Maybe that makes me a little more fearful that Michigan's just going to use this as motivation. But uh, I'll stay in the light scarlet for now. It's too early to live in our fears. That brings us to fourth <laughs> and long, our opportunities, or fourth and short, I think is actually what it's called, or fourth and long. It's definitely one of those two bits. Um, so our first one here, this is the question. Brian Ferentz is going to be resigning at the end of the year. In no way is he being forced out. Uh, is Brian Ferentz leaving Iowa actually a bad thing for the rest of the Big Twi- uh, Big Ten? I'm just thinking about the uh, unemployment sign for the Halloween costume. That's actually better than what I came up with, but it's, it's still pretty good. Um, yeah, I, I think – I don't know. Like, is Iowa ever going to get these these recruits that are going to make their offense like this explosive thing? Like, this is just kind of all – even pre-Brian Ferentz, like this has just always been – Iowa's way. They, they they don't put up a ton of points on you. They play with really good defense. They uh their their top exports in the state are corn and tight ends, and that's just kind of what they do. So I don't know. Like, does it is it a maybe a little bit of concerning because you're like, well, maybe they get somebody in there who can really who will actually do better offensively and and put up more of a fight. Then yeah, I guess so. But when in terms of like the Ohio State angle, which is what we're supposed to do on this show, is take the Ohio State angle on things. Um, like, am I fearful that when Ohio state has a competent quarterback under center and the talent that they're constantly bringing in, that they're going to lose to Iowa or struggle against Iowa? No, not really. I think they're going to bring in a better offensive coordinator. And there were times like, this is the first time Kirk Ferentz has actually had any level of heat. And by the way, he's, 
he hasn't had a losing season since 2012. How hard do you think that was, by the way, for him to basically fire his own son? Oh, I don't think it was that hard. No, I don't, <laughs> no. And, and I, I've that's going to be awkward. That's going to be awkward, though, at uh, family gatherings. Brian Ferentz knows how. And here's the actual. Here's the crappy thing. Brian Ferentz, if he never goes back to Iowa, is probably in the line to be a power five head coach right now or um, like an NFL offensive coordinator because he was actually the O-line coach for a long time. Sorry. He was a assistant O-line coach and then an O-line coach for New England for a couple of years. And like he kind of just needed to wait for the right thing. Instead, he went home with dad and it has hurt his career. He might actually never get like a decent job again, or he might have to do the, the late, uh, the Lane Kiffin start at the bottom. He go should all go the way coach back. at like one of the, the, uh, like army or Navy or air force, like, and, and just do the wing T that's basically what he, uh, the triple option stuff. Don't ruin any one of those institutions. <laughs> Moving to the second one here. Minnesota is currently the leader in the West. Would Ohio State, Minnesota, would, would a Big Ten title matchup between those two be compelling in any way? Uh, no, I don't think so. Um, I, I, I think I think maybe like to draw P.J. Fleck, because he's kind of like the – P.J. Fleck is like the most exciting thing people will probably know about Minnesota and, and, and they'll row the boat and all this different stuff. And I do think for him, his case, like if Minnesota gets to the, the conference championship, like that's a good thing for him and a kind of a step in the right direction for that program. Um, so that'd be cool, but I don't know that I'm like intrigued by an Ohio state, Minnesota. I'm not, I'm not intrigued even by whether it's Ohio state, Michigan and Minnesota. I don't think either of those really draw. I, I think Ohio state, Iowa could be interesting simply because that defense is really yeah. friggin' good. I still think Ohio state would win. Um, here's why I do think it might be compelling. Uh, PJ flex, a bit of a knob and PJ Fleck can be a knob in the, in the public and he's, but he's kind of endearing. And I kind of think, I kind of think it would be compelling simply because he's an a hole and has that ability <laughs> to be one and to generate interest because of, of his personality. It's one of those like watch, like hate watch type things. Like, oh, I want to see him lose, but also, yeah, yeah. you know, but if no, he wins, no. if he wins, those same people will be like, oh, good for PJ Fleck. Oh, Ohio State <laughs> would blow them out beyond like. Reason. Well, we then hey, we might have a uh, Minnesota preview here in a couple weeks, but or, the uh, a, a conference championship preview in a couple weeks. But the lead up to the game, I think, would be interesting. Third, and this was you know Jim Harbaugh finally answered coming off the bye questions about whether this scandal has hurt his contract extension. He said, uh, "I I don't believe that's accurate." Um, I'm just curious because uh, th- this thing continues to get bigger and bigger and bigger. I think it's going to die down at some point, but. If if Michigan ends up being sidetracked by the scandal and it hurts their their focus and they lose a game and then let's say they just kind of fall apart at the end of the season and they they fall short of being a playoff team and Ohio State gets a a, a fun win uh, the the weekend of Thanksgiving will the Michigan scandal cheapen Ohio State win? There will be people who try to argue that. Like there'll be people who say, "Oh well, if they didn't have this, you're going to try to do that." You, well, well, There's but, a but, chance. What's the problem though, Nick? Like we can't sit here on this show and talk about how like, well, it's a loser's mentality if if the Ohio State side of this is like, well, we would have beat them if they weren't stealing our signs and all this different stuff and say that that doesn't matter and that we're still crediting Michigan for just woefully destroying and whooping that ass of Ohio State the last couple of years. Like we can't say that on one side of our mouths and then the other side be like, well, if Michigan loses focus, then – you know, this cheapens Ohio State's thing. Because, like, again, this is all – it's all part of the same, I guess, overarching umbrella of competitiveness, right? Like, Ohio State, if they had a hand in leaking this information and getting this out there, like, this is what they were trying to do. They were trying to get in your heads just the same way they was trying to get into their huddles and steal their plays and understand what was happening. So, I don't know. I'm not going to sit here and discredit it just because it's uh, – you know, it, it. I guess the 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 – if, if, if Michigan loses focus, like that's on them. Jim Harbaugh keeps saying he's got a one-track mind. He's focused. So if he can't keep his guys focused, then that's on him. Be really honest because I want that ass. <laughs> and I don't want any excuses if Ohio State goes up to Michigan and beats Ann Arbor. I don't want any excuses. I don't like but You're annoyed excuses. that this whole thing came out in the first place. You're just like, Yes, I'm annoyed because in the end, I think it's going to be uh, – uh, 
compared to what people want, I think it's going to be a slap in the wrist. And so it's just going to be a distraction. And if that causes Michigan to lose its dominance, I don't know. I want Michigan to be undefeated going into that game. I want them to look like a machine because then if and when Ohio State gets the dub, it's going to be pure. I like pure wins in this rivalry. Mm. I like pure wins in this rivalry. I don't like cuckolding wins. But how can you say that if then Michigan was stealing the signs? Because that wasn't technically a pure win. I mean, I know it happens. It's going on everywhere. But, like, is is it technically pure if they were doing it that way? Stop stop this right now. With respect (laughs) and love. That's not why they kicked your ass. They've been tougher than you. I understand, but, the but if, team. if you're going to say that this whole thing distracting Michigan means that they now they're not they're not going to be at their best, then you could argue that like Ohio State was at at least even maybe somewhat of a disadvantage because Michigan was illegally stealing their signs the way that no, you're, you're you're this is a, the loser mentality. I cannot handle it. I want, I'm not saying I believe that, I, I, but I took the other side of this, which was like, no, it doesn't cheapen it for either side. It doesn't I cheapen want, it for either one. I want unimpeachable wins Ugh. because then um, it just is. It will piss off Ann Arbor fans so much more if they don't have an excuse to fall back on. And I want it. I crave it. Now let's get to our fourth. We need more time here. to have this argument because we disagree. Oh, oh we're going to be bringing it back. <laughs> just just so you know, we put it okay. in, in this segment to get a taste. But at some point, we're bringing it back. Much like just we did tip. with Ma- Maserati. Ma- oh, that's all I ever do. That's all I got, Bob. <laughs> um, where will Ohio State be ranked when the first, the inaugural for this season, college football playoff rankings come out? Uh, man, I, I don't want to be like too negative here. I'm going to say four. I think they're in the picture because it's Ohio state and they're going to say like, Oh, we trust it and all this. But I honestly wouldn't be surprised if they're like the first team out, because I think that the commit one and two are, are decided it's going to be Georgia and Michigan. I think that's pretty obvious three and four where it gets interesting. Cause you got an undefeated Ohio state team, but their offense doesn't look that impressive. It's going to come down to like strength of schedule and all these different things. And I don't know, like, could you put Florida State, who's looked better in recent weeks, even though they almost lost to uh, Boston College early in the season? Could you put them at three? Could you put Washington at three? Because of the three teams, Washington probably has the best win of these three teams that we're talking about in in beating Oregon. So maybe Washington's three and then Ohio State's four. But I, I, I could see FSU going ahead of them because their offense is better too. So I think Ohio State probably should be four, but I wouldn't be surprised if they're the first team out right now. I think Ohio State should be top two. Oh, my God, Nick. You're drinking the Kool-Aid. <laughs> You're drinking the Kool-Aid. They, they've beat Notre Dame, Penn State, and are coming off a, uh, a t- double-digit win over Wisconsin in Camp Randall in a night game. The, mm. Of all the top four teams, they're the most uh, – in, in the AP top 25 – they're the most proven teams. Like, and I'll be honest with you, everything that people have said about Ohio State, the unsexiness of their wins are the same things you can say about Georgia, Michigan, or Florida State in their best games. Maybe not Michigan because they've literally played nobody. But like in the ranked opponents Georgia's played, those games have been a lot closer yeah. than they should be. This is not the Georgia juggernaut. Uh, top two. I'm saying this it right what, now, top two. This is what it always comes down to is like the splitting hairs, right? Because Ohio State probably has had of these teams like the hardest schedule in terms of like ranked opponents and things that they played. But I do think Washington gets the nod for the toughest win, the three that we're kind of talking about here. I I, I, I guess I can understand your sentiments. I don't think there's any way that they're ahead of Georgia and Michigan. And then I think the the, the other three what, we're talking about here are keeping it out for the what has either team done of consequence other than beat up on bad teams? Because to me, if this is really about what you've done, which is what this should be about, in my humble opinion, Ohio State and Washington deserve to be at the, the, the top of this conversation. And then to me, it is probably Georgia and then probably Michigan and then Florida State. If I'm just going on the unbeatens, I just, I just think at some point, like, to me, if you put Georgia one, it's about last year, and you shouldn't be doing that well, when it's Georgia versus Ohio. They did State. that for Bama for if it's, years and years. Which, by the way, well, by the way, Bama's always lurking. They're always yeah. there, just lurking in the shadows, ready to pounce into the playoffs. So don't be surprised if they're like six or something like that, and they're like right there on the outside looking in. I would not be shocked. But to me, you don't. It, that's blue blood on blue blood crime. 
if this is if this was Georgia versus Air Force, well, yeah, all right. One of these teams has been consistently <laughs> in the national picture, and the other hasn't. Hey, Air Force is undefeated, though. Don't sleep on them. All right, what, they they number three. Then they had Ohio State there. <laughs> yes. All right, guys. <laughs> that is uh, today's Sons of the Shoe podcast episode. I know I said podcast there. Be on the lookout for the very special college football playoff selection rankings and the reaction that we're going to have live every Tuesday night on the 92.3 The Fan YouTube, YouTube channel. YouTube channel. Words are tough. Uh, until then, guys, rate, subscribe, follow everywhere you get your podcast and on the 92.3 The Fan YouTube channel. Spencer, we disagree, but you were lovely today. Thank you, buddy. Always a pleasure, Nick. Be good.